Welcome in to the Big Red Zone podcast, episode 10. We have hit double digits, baby. Let's go. And with that, we have also hit the end of the regular season for the NFL. I'm one of your hosts, Max. I am one of your other hosts, Brad. And I'm one of your hosts, Roy. And we're so happy to be here, guys. It's been a it's been a long road to get to this point. The longest NFL season to date has felt like that. It's been very long, full of twists and turns. And week 18 was no exception. And without any sort of pause, let's, let's kind of jump into it. Uh, I think there are kind of three main games that we, we sort of want to talk about, the three games that sort of shape the playoff picture. I think we'll go in reverse chronological order from uh, most recent to last. And let's just go ahead and rip the Band-Aid off. Let's start with the last game of the NFL regular season and the most meaningful one to one of our podcast hosts right here, Raiders 35, Chargers 32. Rowie, give us your thoughts, man. How are you doing? I think that's the biggest question. How am I doing? I think I'm finally recovered emotionally to some extent. Um, I woke up with a very big headache on Monday. And I was, that was a very, very low point. I was like, man, I'm really going to have to wait nine months, huh? But, you know, I've been on the mock draft grind, finding prospects, you know, the usual offseason stuff. Um, in terms of the game, though, you know, we started off pretty bad, um, though I think there were some very exceptional calls by referees against the Chargers in the first half. That's just how the NFL goes. Sometimes calls are going to go for and against you. Um, so I'm not going to put the game on that. We had a costly turnover in the punt. Bottom line is, with the muff punt, um, we had a really rough first half, but, you know, Justin Herbert worked his magic. I think he showed he's a top five, maybe even a top three talent. I guess we'll see next year if he can keep up. Um, but he had probably the most magnificent performance I've ever seen in any Chargers game that I can remember. Like, I, I again, I can't speak to any other teams, but that was just absolutely incredible what he did. Um, going six for six on fourth down, um, a perfect pass rating, two touchdowns, I believe. It was just nothing short of incredible. Um, and, you know, he brought us back. It was a tie game. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's kind of ironic. And, you know, I guess it's if our season had to end, it was the way that I think it needed to end because it ended simply because our run defense failed to get a stop on the final drive. People want to talk about the timeout that happened, but I want to talk about that 30-yard run that Josh Jacobs had to get them to midfield in general when everyone knows that you're going to run, right? Cause they're not going to throw the ball. They're not going to risk an interception on their own side of the field. I want to talk about that other couple other 10 yard runs he had after that 30 yard run, pretty much just like 60 yards of just running when we knew they were going to run to get that field goal in the first place. So and I think that's been a theme throughout the season for us and ultimately why we lost that game. So it was really a fortunate, unfortunate way to win unway to a uh, way to lose. Sorry for the chargers. Um, and I, it just pains me for Justin Herbert to miss the playoffs again, but I think he'll be back next year. Um, but for the Raiders, man, like hats off to Derek Carr. I don't think he did that much to win that game, if I'm going to be quite honest. But, I mean, the fact that he was able to, able to lead the team that he had and given the circumstances, Richard Passaccia too, so hats off to them. So just to be clear, you're putting the blame on the defense, Chargers defense. 100%. 100%. Now, how does that shake – or not shake, how does that affect your opinion of Brandon Staley, given that he came in as a defensive coach? I mean, I am 100% with you. Herbert was incredible. Only a, a few, if when I say a few, if not more than like 
three, four, could go six for six on high pressure fourth downs like that. And I just remember watching it and seeing like the like the grass in Justin Herbert's like helmet. Like the man was just like everyone was tired, but he was just like delivering when it matters. But Brandon Staley came in as a defensive guru of sorts. And I'm just curious as a Chargers fan who's watched pretty much all the games. Do you think he deserves the, like, what, what's your thoughts here? I mean, I think you're right. I think that the offense was the top offense, I think, because of Justin Herbert. And I think that the defense was not a good defense, largely because I think Brandon Staley just needs to do a better job coaching them. Um, when you come in with the intention of fixing a defense and the defense is just worse off from last year with like very similar players, if not added additions, um, over the off season, I think there's no excuse for that. I think this will be the first time that Justin Herbert's had the same head coach and offensive coordinator since back to back years since high school. So I'm not going to join in on the, I think kind of extreme Brandon Staley should get fired talk just yet. I think it's good for this team to have some continuity, but I definitely think that it's inexcusable for you to claim to be a defensive guru and then come in and lead a defense that gave up the highest percent of third down conversions out of the entire league. The worst that the chargers had, I want to say since 2003. And I think one of the only other teams to give up over 50% of third downs for a large part of the season since they started counting that statistic. I mean, that's just a historically bad defense. I saw a statistic today that said that, um, and I can pull this up too real quick. I think I have it in front of me that uh, the, for the percentage of starts where the team has allowed 27 plus points, Justin Herbert, the chargers have given up nearly 60%. Uh, 60% of the games that Justin Herbert started, the Chargers have given up 27 plus points. For Patrick Mahomes, it was under 40%. Same with Drew Brees, same with Aaron Rodgers and Phillip Rivers. For Mac Jones and Tom Brady, it's been under 30%. So I think that he's just dealing with a horrendous defense. And that's the reason why he's the only top five QB in my mind to miss the playoffs. I think there's no excuse. Yeah, I think something you said really stuck with me in that if there's a way for the Chargers to lose, this was kind of it. Like, I feel like this one game was kind of a perfect microcosm of their entire season. Yeah, like, you can probably speak to this more than me, but there's, like, one call specifically, the fourth down, uh, going for it on on the fourth down on their own 18-yard line, I want to say, where they just ran it up the middle and couldn't get anything going uh, and gave it to the Raiders, and the Raiders consequently kicked a field goal, and then they lost that field goal, et cetera, et cetera. The run defense woes. Um, and the woes on the offensive line, uh, especially at that right tackle position, where I know you guys had kind of a placeholder. You had Storm Norton, who, who wasn't brought in to be the starter, but injuries to Brian Bulaga kind of made him have to jump into that spot. I know that's kind of been a trouble spot for you guys the entire season. And obviously, Max Crosby kind of had a field day. I think he had eight QB pressures in the fourth quarter alone. I read that stat. So this was kind of a summary of the Chargers season, lots of controversial decisions, a tough run defense, and Justin Herbert doing everything he can to kind of will his team to to the win with basically a superhuman performance. I'm going to disagree with you, though, a little bit, Max. I don't know whether I disagree with you, really, because I don't know your thoughts on it yet. But I actually didn't have a problem with going forward on fourth and 18, um, even if even the oh, sorry fourth down on their own 18. Um gutsy 100 would other teams do it 
probably not. I can't think of many others that would. But, like, going for it, like, on fourth down is, like, the Chargers, like, M.O. And, like, when you have a quarterback, like, as talented as Justin Herbert and the stakes are that high, like, you have to trust that, like, him making it is, like, well over 50%. Now, it's not, like, 100%, obviously. But you have to trust that with Justin Herbert as your QB that you should be able to make that, like, 60 percent of the time but i don't i don't necessarily disagree with the call uh to go for it i kind of disagree with the play call of running it up the middle when your offensive line is getting sure but i don't fully disagree with the call yeah um i'm more fast or not more fast but i'm also fascinated by whether rick bisaccia uh secured himself a job as like head coach of that raiders team i mean i mean this is the first time that a interim head coach is now coaching that same team that he became interim for in the playoffs uh, in the same year, which is pretty incredible on that front. It's also just pretty crazy to think about how much the Raiders had to like deal with this year and yet where they are right now. So I'm curious whether you guys think is does Bisaccia become the head coach? Slash should he become the head coach? I, I think so. I, I think he's probably earned it. Um, I, I think that very few coaches have done what he was able to do. I mean, Brandon Staley had objectively a much better roster, a much better team, and missed the playoffs, right? So I think that he's definitely proven he's at least as qualified as some of those coaches. Now, do I think that they can repeat and go on a run again next year with Bisaccia? That I really don't know. I don't know if this was kind of like sort of a miracle year to be remembered for the Raiders, and next year they'll like return to their old selves, so to speak and either, you know, collapse in the second half of the season or just not have enough star talent. Um, but I think there's no way, it, j- just for the storyline and for the sake of everything that's happened, that you can really fire Bisaccio, um, in my mind. But I guess we'll see. Yeah, I think one of the things that stuck with me after the Chargers loss was that a lot of his players came out in defense of Brandon Staley because he has kind of been getting a lot of flags for that timeout call, the fourth down call, et cetera, et cetera. But they basically said that he was building a winning culture. And that's the first time that a lot of them have kind of been a part of that. So I really have been kind of stalking the Chargers Instagram. You know, my bad. I know it's your team. But I don't think any coach has done as good a job of culture building as Bisaccia. I know he's only been in for half a season. But with the things he's had to deal with, from the John Gruden controversies, to uh, Henry Ruggs, to Damon Arnett, to their – Stud cornerback, fifth round pick Nate Hobbs getting caught for DUI last week. Like and played in the game. <laughs> okay, that okay. I guess that's one aspect of culture, which I, I guess <laughs> I, I don't know. We we can argue about whether that's good or bad. But uh, I think Basacha has overcome all of this and basically built a team relying on heart. Like they're squeaking out wins. It's not like they're convincingly in the playoffs. They've basically squeaked out. I think five, four or five wins in a row at this point by the skin of their teeth. I think the players are playing for him. And I think this is the first time in recent Raiders memory, and maybe even dating back, I think they've only been in the playoffs once since 2002, that they're unified. They kind of know what they're playing for. And I feel like it's very difficult to fire a coach who has overcome that level of adversity. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, transitioning here, one of the other games that I found to be the most fascinating not potentially the most interesting. I mean, I know people are going to jump to like Niners Rams or such, but like what 
happened to the cult. I mean, what was that implosion? I mean, like, there's, like, losing to the Jags, and there is getting, like, your, uh, like, butt handed to you, like, imploding completely. Yeah, one of my kind of takeaways looking back on last week was to, uh, in the future when we're making our picks, to kind of trust the narrative. And I know that that kind of comes off as kind of BS, like sort of the, the improbable streak will it continue. But the Colts haven't been Jacksonville on their home turf since 2014. And that streak has continued to the worst Jacksonville roster, I think, in past memory. Uh, the Raiders kept like sort of squeaking out clutch wins. That continued. Cliff Kingsbury stayed unbeaten over Sean McVay improbably. That continued. So just kind of these improbable storylines. I don't know what it is about the Colts playing Jacksonville in Jacksonville, but clearly that's a soft spot for that team. I don't know if there's some mental effect about that streak or maybe just about what was on the line, but I think a lot of this kind of comes down to Carson Wentz and whether Carson Wentz is kind of the, the future of this team and the way it's looking right now based on that choke job. And it wasn't just him, the entire offense and defense choked. Trevor Lawrence had his best game since week one. Jonathan Taylor couldn't do a damn thing. Wentz got sacked six times, so the offensive line couldn't keep up. But when you're being led by a guy who probably can't trust in clutch moments, I think that's a bad sign for the team. Yeah, I mean, I think that this week showed me that Carson Wentz can be coached up, but he can't be the guy. Like, he can't be the person who you rely on. You can coach him up when you have a Jonathan Taylor on your team to sort of, like, minimize mistakes but when the game sort of shifted in Jacksonville from we can just run this run this run this and have Carson Wentz just go off the play action it when it sort of shifted to Carson Wentz needs to put the team on his back and start scoring more points here or we're going to be out of it he couldn't he couldn't do that I mean some of the mark of great um I'm going to call them franchise QBs I mean I don't want to like limit this to just like the all-time great or like elite quarterbacks but uh, the mark of a franchise QB is that you don't, you're not scared that they can't bring you back into a game. Elite quarterbacks will win you those games often, but franchise quarterbacks will put you back into those games. And I just, I don't even see him as a franchise. I mean, I don't think he's, I don't think he's, uh, I don't think he possesses the ability to bring teams back into a game because when he starts to need to get more points on the board, he becomes less accurate, which turns into more picks, which actually just runs the score the opposite way. I think, yeah, I think, I think last time we saw Carson make Carson Wentz really play at an elite level. If, if you even want to call it, that was that year that Philly won the Super Bowl. But if you remember by this time last year, he had already gotten injured and kind of passed over the reins to Nick Foles, who kind of carried them on, I believe, since late regular season into their Super Bowl run. So I think this was probably his first time maybe playing in such a high stakes win and end game this late in the season, where it wasn't just, you know, kind of a middle of the season, regular season game that he's been winning in his his previous few seasons. So again, time will tell whether he'll be able to kind of clutch up um, in those bigger moments. I'm not sure that he will. I agree with you guys. But I think in general, going back to what Max said, trusting the narrative, I think every primary AFC team has dropped at least one or two games to like opponents that really seem that they should have beaten. And I think that the only team that was in the playoff picture that kind of escaped that narrative was the Colts up until now. 
Um, they had gone on a really great winning streak. They seemed to be winning all the games they needed to win, um, with the exception of week one against the Seahawks. But that's week one. No one really knows who they are in week one. Um, but it finally came Jacksonville against Jacksonville. Like they they finally got what all the other AFC teams have been experiencing, um, whether it's losing to teams like the Texans, like the Chargers did, or I guess even the Dolphins, like the Pats did, like all these teams that you should be beaten or Jags, the Jags actually also beat the Bills. So finally the Colts got that same medicine served to them. So answer me this one question before we move on to kind of our last playoff game of significance, Niners, Rams. Who is the Colts starting quarterback week one next year? I mean, my gut says Carson, because I don't know that you can find a better option in the sense that like, he's not the guy. I don't think he should be the guy, but I don't know that you can find another option. Like I don't think you should be drafting necessarily a QB. And they're not going to be a good enough draft position to draft a QB. Um, however, I just want to put an upset alert or not upset alert, but sort of like on your radar. If I'm Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers and I decide that I want to leave the team I'm on, unclear whether they're actually going to leave, but I decide I want to leave, I don't know how you don't see the Colts as such an attractive job. I mean, you've got a beast of a running back in Jonathan Taylor. The defense is, like, solid. Their offensive line is one of the best in the NFL. I mean, with with the right quarterback – this team would be lethal. So just want to put that on your radar that I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that. I think you could kind of say that about a few teams, like the Broncos, the Steelers. They're all really good rosters that have been kind of been getting held back by quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, to some extent, yes. But when you compare the Colts to, like, the Broncos to, like, the Steelers roster – Right, yeah, yeah. Broncos and Steelers are pretty solid all the way around, but they don't have, like, an excellent, excellent, like, standout player on either side of the ball on either Steelers or Broncos. I mean, again, great rosters, just no standout players. Whereas, like, the Colts, like, if you have Jonathan Taylor and somebody who can throw the ball as well as, like, Aaron Rodgers, like, that's ridiculous because I also think that wherever Aaron Rodgers goes, Devontae Adams is going to follow. I mean, I'm just sort of imagining a Colts team with Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and Jonathan Taylor. Like, oh man, that would be bad. That would be, that'd be dangerous. I think I have kind of a hot take on this point. I think I slightly disagree. First of all, I think that I don't think anyone in the right mind, including Brian Brian Gutenkust, however you pronounce his last name, Brian, the GM up there in uh, in Green Bay. Um, I don't think anyone in the right mind is letting go of Aaron Rodgers. And from what I can tell, I think Devontae Adams is going to get franchise tagged this year. So I re- I'd really expect them to stay. But, hey, I mean, the league's at this point, I wouldn't even be surprised if they all end up in Indianapolis Colts, which is essentially the, the would, would become the AFC Pro Bowl roster on the spot if that did happen, just that team in general. Um, however, I think if I'm – QB, right? If I'm, let's just say hypothetically, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, um, I think my favorite destination would be the Broncos. And I know that, yes, they have a less favorable division, probably with, you know, Mahomes and the Chiefs, Justin Herbert, the Raiders, I guess, can, you know, win games now, apparently. So that, you know, they're another scary team in the West. But I think just the Broncos defense is so well coached. 
And I think that maybe this is me just overcompensating for the Chargers defense. But I think at this point in the league, I think as a quarterback, you want a defense that's going to really limit your your um, the opponent to you know a few number of points so that you don't have to be a hero every single time you win. Kind of like how Matthew Stafford, what he's doing with with the Rams. Granted, the Rams have talented roster aside from their defense on offense too, compared to the Broncos, but. I think that the Broncos defense is going to make them a very, very desirable destination to go to. And I don't think that their running game is something to overlook either. Like, you know, they have Melvin Gordon and uh, Javante Williams, who are two great backs as well. Their wide receivers probably could use a little work, in my opinion. Um, but I think for me, the Broncos are definitely also very much up there. Um, and in terms of who's going to be the Colts quarterback, I really don't know. I mean, low-key, I want to say Sam Ellinger, because, you know, I remember he started a game or two for them. Um, and I, I, you know, it's not going to happen. Definitely not. But part of me, you know, I kind of like looked and squinted at the screen. and was like, man, this guy kind of looks like a, like a miniature young Brett Favre, but we'll see. We'll see. That was purely based off looks too. Not, not at all gameplay. Yeah. So, good. Like, good looking guy. Good looking. Yeah, guy. Exactly. <laughs> um, just a heads up about the Broncos job. They lost their defensive guru of a head coach. So who knows whether that defense will kind of stay up the par next year. They definitely have the roster for it. I agree. Like, some, I think that, yeah, what's up? Some, some, some interesting, very, very interesting head coach uh, vacancies or some departures that we didn't expect. I mean, we'll get into all of this. Like Joe Young, what? Yeah, that, I'm shocked. That's the one that I was most Dang. shocked about. But yeah. I'll check. Watch your job, dude. I think think we'll get more into like this stuff once we hit the off season, Mm -hmm. but, um, but like, I I will just to to Max's point, there's been some interesting vacancies. Yeah, dude. Like some good spots to fill too. Like, I mean, the, we'll, we'll see what happens with the Raiders, whether they retain the I think they will, but if that opens up, it's a good spot. The bears is super interesting. Matt Nagy fired. Like what, who saw that coming? Like the Vikings too got a really good roster, so it'll be interesting. This and we will get into the Sasasi. Just to quickly answer my own question, um, I don't have a definitive answer either, obviously. And this is kind of cheating because this is transitioning to kind of the the next topic on the pod. But mine is a conditional, right? Pending, and you you guys might kind of guess what it is. Like it relates to the last game that we got to talk about. But pending what the Niners do against the Cowboys. If I'm the Colts GM, uh, if I'm Chris Ballard, I would rather have Jimmy G over Carson Wentz. Uh, less mistakes, I think more accurate. And we saw this last week in the clutch. He kind of stepped up, and, and we'll talk about that in a sec. But if the Niners kind of mortgage their future to pick up Trey Lance, and Jimmy G is in the way of that, and he's playing well enough to stay in the way of that. So unless they make a super deep run with Jimmy G, I think that the Colts would be looking to acquire a play of that caliber, maybe not even to start right away, but to give Carson Wentz kind of a run for his money. I don't know whether uh, Jimmy G stepped up or Debo Samuel stepped hey, up, but you know, hey, someone has to throw Debo the ball, man. He wasn't, it wasn't all rushing dude. on that last drive. All right. So to get into it, the last NFC spot, uh, Niners picked it up. They, the Saints beat the Falcons, so the Niners had a win in game against the Rams, basically. If they lost it, they were out. They were down by 17 points early, 17-3 at halftime. And in the second half, man, like, they stepped up. It wasn't all Jimmy G, obviously. Like, 
a lot of this comeback was fueled by the run game as it often is in the and the Niners but those last two drives by Jimmy like he put the ball where it had to be the Rams defensive line was hounding him uh like he had to get rid of it quickly Debo Samuel made some great plays like we, we were texting about it during the game we we made kind of a list of our top five receivers in the league and watching that game like I had to put Debo on there I, I had to mess around with my list because that man is I think probably one of the most exciting players in the NFL. Like he consistently makes three or four people miss is miss. It's so fun to watch, but it was a really exciting game. And if the Raiders Chargers game didn't happen the way it did, this would be the game everyone would be talking about this week. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, the 49ers have like three play calls, like throw it to Debo, give it to hand it off to Debo or Debo throws it to somebody else. Yeah, good quarterback, by the way. He threw a pretty pass. <laughs> what do you guys think? Did, do you guys think this game kind of spells disaster for the Rams, or does it kind of show that the Niners is not a team that anyone wants to play, especially the Rams? I think a little bit of both. I think we've been talking, or at least I've mentioned it on the podcast for the past couple games, that Matt Stafford has been turning the ball over, yet he's still found ways to win games. And I think this is the first in at least three or four games of his where his turnovers proved to cost them the game. Cause that, you know, final OT possession where he threw that really deep ball that really didn't have any true purpose behind it um, or true intention. The guy really wasn't OBJ really wasn't open. He just kind of threw it up and vastly under threw it at that. I think the final these Matthew Stafford's turnovers are catching up to them. So I think in the playoffs now, especially that should be a very interesting theme uh, to keep track of Matthew Stafford's turnovers and I also think for the 49ers that it definitely showed that they're a legit team that can compete. Obviously, the Rams are a team that they've kind of been a little somewhat of their kryptonite. Um, but nonetheless, beating the Rams in L.A., that's uh, that's a big deal. So definitely on the lookout for both teams. I'm telling you, I think that this Niners-Cowboys game is going to be very, very interesting. The Cowboys have the much better roster. They very much should win, and it should be a bit of a, honestly, a blowout. But like it, it, it should be a handed, like like a decisive win, um, like a like a touchdown, maybe ten points or so. Um, however, the Niners are sneaky, and the Cowboys have, uh, stumbled a little bit in certain games this season. I mean, some games I put up like fifty-two points. Others, like, they struggled to put up, like, 20. And depending on which, like, on de- depending on which uh, Cowboys team we get on, uh, is it Saturday or? Sunday. No, I think it's Sunday, 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 Sunday. Sunday, Sunday. Uh, depending on which Cowboys team shows up, little hot take, the 49ers might be the only wildcard team in either the NFC or AFC to move on to the divisional round. I kind of disagree with that, but we'll, we'll get into that in a sec. One thing I do want to say, I agree with y'all. I think the Niners, in my mind, they're kind of the team we thought the Colts were and a team that no one kind of wants to play. They don't have that dominant run game superstar like Jonathan Taylor, but Eliza Mitchell is pretty damn good. They, they said it on the podcast. That guy's just really good at finding the hole, which pause. I get it. Funny. But, um, like, unironically, that man, if there's an opening, like, he'll get to it and he'll make a man miss. And in the second half when I turned on that game, he was consistently ripping off, like, seven, eight yards, wearing down the Rams' defense. 
that's not even counting the the run the run plays where they hand it to Debo and throw a screen to Debo or Debo throws a pass. Like there's just Kyle Shanahan truly is one of the offensive masterminds of today's NFL. And I'm like Brad and very excited to see what comes in wildcard weekend for this Niners team. And I do think they can make it run. 49ers are so good at drafting running backs. Oh yeah. Or their run scheme is just really good. It's, it's unclear, but they are quite good at both. All right, guys, any, any last points before we kind of look into the future? All right. For me, I, let, let, I'm ready to go full force ahead. Let, let, let's talk about the playoff bracket for the 2022 NFL season. So, on, uh, so we've got on Sunday at, or let's start with Saturday, I should say, at 4.30 p.m., we've got Las Vegas Raiders versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Followed by Saturday evening, we've got the mighty New England Patriots going to uh, crush. I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, no, the, the New England Patriots will be playing the Buffalo Bills at 8.15 p.m. on Saturday. On Sunday at 4.30, we've got, I'm sorry, Sunday at 1, we've got Eagles versus the Bucks. 4.30, we've got the Niners versus the Cowboys. We wrap it up on Sunday night with the Steelers versus the Kansas City Chiefs and finish with the Cardinals at the Rams on Monday at 8.15. I am am fascinated by this bracket, by, by, by all these matchups. I mean, I think to me, the, the matchups that are most exciting are Niners and Cowboys. I think that could be a potential upset. I think that uh, Cardinals at Rams is just going to be such a good game just because I feel like both teams are, like, deserving of, like, playing a divisional round game, but, like, obviously neither not, – not both can. Um, they've just both had pretty great seasons. So, you know, really curious to see what happens there. And then I'd have to say the Patriots versus Bills, number three. Uh, Patriots took the first uh, game. Bills took the second. I honestly have no idea what's going to happen in that game. Patriots have played like garbage in the last four games of the season here. So you like, you know, by recency, like, the Bills should crush them, like absolutely demolish them, similar to what we saw when the Bills came to Gillette. But I don't know if we get if we get if we get the Patriots team from weeks like five through like eleven, it could easily go to the Pats. So, uh, but like, what 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 do you guys think are the most exciting matchups coming this weekend? Well, I agree with you. I think those three are definitely the most exciting. But for me, Raiders Bengals is kind of sneaky. But I have a proposition for you guys. Instead of starting with the most exciting, starting with kind of the main course. Should, should we maybe get the, the boring games out of the way, you know, make our audience kind of hang on to something, listen to the, a little further to hear our wisdom, our takes on some of the most exciting games. Does, does that sound reasonable? All right, nods that the, the audience can't hear. But guys, I, I want one of y'all to play devil's advocate for me on this game. This game is not a game that should be happening. This, I'm, I'm sorry, really. This should have been Justin Herbert playing in this game. But can one of you guys play devil's advocate? Do the Steelers stand any shot of beating the Chiefs, or should we just move on? I'm not even, like, entertaining this this concept. Ben Roethlisberger doesn't even think that the that the 
today's standard. He literally went up to the podium today and said, yeah, we don't really have a chance. Let's just have fun. Like, come on. How do you expect yeah. me to believe that? Yeah, the, the, the Chiefs crushed them by, by 23 points a few weeks ago with Mahomes being pulled in the fourth and Travis Kelsey not playing. So I'm sorry, this game, like the, in my mind, obviously anything can happen. Um, but the Chiefs basically have secured a set another bye week. So the Titans aren't the only one with a bye. I think the Chiefs are going into next round pretty well rested. I'm, I'm sure there's a bet out there of whether Mahomes makes it into the fourth or not. But I, I think it's pretty safe to say we're picking the Chiefs, right? Yeah. I, it's so unfair that the NFL gave like two teams a buy in the AFC. It is. It is. Yeah. All right. We're going to go over to the other two seven matchup. This is a little more interesting, honestly. But uh, Eagles, Bucks, what do you guys think? I'm sticking with the Bucks. They were they were my pick to win this, go to the Super Bowl. I'm not so sure anymore. Um, but I'll pick the Bucks. I'm picking the Bucks. I mean, I'm I'm going on the record. I'm picking the Bucks because I can't. It is on the record right now. It's on the record. I can't pick against Tom Brady. That being said, gonna be an interesting game. I mean, like, it's not the Bucks' fault at all, but injuries have sort of ravaged that team. The Eagles are hot right now, and the Bucks should 100% win this game, but there have been a couple games where the Bucks sort of a, just offense has been like flat. Like they, they, uh, they didn't, they lost to the Saints. They barely beat the Jets. The Jets, I mean, probably the top, one of the top three worst teams in the NFL from this season. I just, I mean, the Bucks are going to win, but I'm just not so sure. A, it's going to be a blood. I think it's going to be a close game. And B, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles came out with the W. Yeah, I, th- I think this one's interesting, just like purely matchup based. The Eagles have transformed into the best run offense in the NFL. Uh, that's obviously led by their very skilled running quarterback, Jalen Hurts, who I think has proved a lot of doubters wrong and has... Worse than Mac Jones. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Apology accepted. But uh, I don't know, man. He's super exciting to watch. I think he had a lot of skeptics at the start of the year, but that's because they weren't using him right. Uh, I think that Nick Sirianni has transformed this team to sort of fit around Jalen Hurts' skill set. He's earned himself at least another year as the Eagles starter. Sirianni has done a really good coaching job, kind of pulling a 180 in the middle of the season. I think he'll probably get some votes for coach of the year just because of how this team has turned around. I don't think he'll win it. I think that's probably going to Vrabel. Topic for another pod. But I think the Eagles team are built to kind of exploit the Tampa Bay defense, which their run defense has not been as strong this year as it has in years past. A lot of injuries, Levante David being out, obviously a huge blow. Devin White, as a run defender, hasn't been as strong this year. I don't really know why. But being led by that kind of four-headed monster rushing attack, sort of hurts Sanders. Jordan Howard is back somehow. Boston Scott's still around. Kenneth Gainwell gets one carry a game, which usually turns into a touchdown. Like, the Eagles are good, man. I think this game will kind of follow a similar game trip to the Washington-Tampa Bay game last year, where uh, the football team kept it close until the very end, and Tom Brady pulled it out. Like Brad said, I can't particularly pick against Tom Brady, so I'm picking the Bucs on the record, write it down. But the Eagles are good. They're fun. 
And uh, I'll be really interested to see how they play this game. All right. We, we all set on that one, right? Everyone picking the Bucks 2-7, rarely a, a matchup that gets uh, upset. But moving on to a game which I personally think is maybe more interesting than you guys have said, but Raiders-Bengals, the first game on the playoff schedule. And I will say right off the bat, I'm picking the Raiders. But before I get to that, give me your guys' thoughts. I think the Bengals got their bye week last week when they rested lots of their starters, including Joe Burr, Joe Burrow, um, Joe Mixon, maybe even another Joe. I don't know if there's another Joe on their team, but if he's a starter, he also got rested. Um, so I think they're coming in healthy. The Raiders are actually playing on the shortest turnaround, I believe, in all the NFL. They're the first playoff game, and they played the last regular season game. Look, man, I don't want to count out the Raiders because I feel like, you know, I got – we, we, I got my full karma for doing that last game, but I want to say that the Bengals probably pull it off because I think honestly, you know, like this miracle Raiders season was capped off in a great way for Raiders fans with that win. I don't think it continues. I think reality sets in and at some point the better team has to win these football games and that's the Bengals. So, so sort of isolate the area where the Bengals are going to thrive this game. What, what exactly you think kind of helps them beat the Raiders? Yeah, look, I mean, the the Raiders' secondary consists of Casey Hayward and Brandon Fassison. Now, in addition to uh, Denzel Perryman, Darius Phylon, a slew of other former ex-Chargers defensive players, that defense is like has to be 60% ex-Chargers, coached by ex-Chargers defensive coordinator Gus Bradley. In other words, if there's anybody who knows the Chargers offense, it's them. And if I'm being quite honest, at least in the second half, it's not like they did a particularly good job of stopping the offensive attack of the Chargers in that game. I just don't think this Raiders defense has enough being frustrated year in, year out by Brandon Tracy son is our cornerback too, back in chargers. I know he's a very, very weak cornerback shout out Brandon Faison or any of his loved ones. If you're watching this podcast and I assume you won't be, um, but this is a guy that he leaves 15 yards of cushion every time allows the slant route. The first down Jamar chase is going to run circles around this clown. And Casey Hayward's a good cornerback. I'm going to give him his fair share of credit. I think he also actually got the interception off Justin Herbert. Um, I just don't, I think that the Bengals are going to do a lot better job blocking up front because maybe with the competent offensive coordinator, you learn to chip Max Crosby for a change. Um, And I think ultimately that, that, that Raiders defense isn't enough. So. Yeah. I think that, the Bengals are going to win. And I think it's large just because of what Roy just said is that you've got Jamar Chase going up against that secondary and Joe Burrow, who just seems to be one of the younger uh, potential NFL greats. Um, obviously not going to take it that far. Don't know enough about him just yet, but uh, he looks good. I mean, he looks good out there. Um, and I think it, Almost comes down to Jamar Chase. I mean, I think that um, obviously they don't need Jamar Chase to succeed in the sense that they've got a pretty great squad uh, otherwise, even without Jamar Chase. But I feel like something I saw this year from the Bengals is that when Chase is rolling, the Bengals are rolling. So I think he's sort of like the spark that like ignites that engine. Um, and I, I expect Jamar Chase to show up, obviously. I mean, I think he's going to be hyped. I mean, how do you not hype playoff game? Um, 
And if he is hyped, which I expect him to be, I don't see how the Bengals don't win this. That being said, if the Chargers win, excuse me, if the Raiders win by a field goal, um, that would be just so typical Raiders that I wouldn't be surprised. Listen, guys, I see you. I hear you. What you said registered. But I'm going to say one thing. Oh and that God. is trust the narrative, baby. The Raiders are riding three-point wins all the way to a Super Bowl victory. <laughs> That's a slight exaggeration, and I'm absolutely not taking it that far. But I do think this game kind of comes down to three things, uh, and they all kind of blend together. The first, which Rowie touched on, is the Raiders' defensive line versus the Bengals' offensive line. If they chip Max Crosby, maybe it's a different story. I don't know. The Chargers didn't. Maybe the Bengals don't either. But uh, the Bengals' offensive line is not great. It's pretty weak, actually. That's why the whole Panay Sewell versus Jamar Chase was an argument that I made uh, in, a la- in last year's podcast episode uh, before the draft this year. Clearly, that probably wasn't the right choice. But the point remains, their offensive line isn't great. And the Raiders' pass rush has really come on. The second point is that the Raiders coaching, right? Like Rich Basaccia, they've overcome a lot of adversity. Uh, Derek Carr is like a true leader. This team is playing with heart. They're playing with passion. uh, And they've managed to grit out these really tough wins. And I think that grit does count for something. This team isn't necessarily playoff experience. I mean, they've only gone once in 2016 since 2002. But they've gutted out a lot of tough regular season wins. And they're led by veteran experience. That's both in coaching, on the defense with Casey Hayward, uh, and on the offense there. Carr is a good, veteran, solid back-end top-10 quarterback. Number three, and the most important thing, and this bleeds into trusting the narrative. I don't know, man. There's just something about this Raiders team that kind of speaks to me. Like, they're, they're a team that I think, unless they knock your team out of the playoffs, I think it's pretty easy to root for. They've overcome a lot. They've got a lot of guys sort of that were discounted uh, or maybe like underappreciated, kind of like De- Den- Denzel Perriman, some of the Chargers vets. People discounted them five weeks ago and they went on a five game win streak to make the playoffs. Like, I don't know, man. So I don't really like the fact that the Bengals rested all their guys in the grand scheme of things. It'll probably pay off, but I like rolling into the playoffs with momentum and very few teams have that more than the Raiders. So I'm casting my lot. I'm picking them. I almost picked them the last two weeks. And this is the week I finally do it. And this is the week they probably lose and let me down. But it's fine. Max, I respect the boldness of that pick. Uh, but I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just going to say that if you're on the Raiders, you're either an ex-convict or an ex-charger. And if you're Darius Phylon, you're both. Um, and I think <laughs> that the only chance that the Raiders win this game is if the Holy Ghost of John Madden himself appears on the field to coach this team instead of Rich Bisacci or Gus Bradley. I strongly disagree with you, but hey, I respect it for adding some spice to the, to the podcast. Do you see me and do you hear me? I do. Uh, Max, y- your, uh, your, your pick of the Raiders is so ridiculous that I don't see or hear you. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Really? But, uh, no, Y'all will be laughing when the Raiders win the Super Bowl, bro. Watch out. <laughs> Max, if the Raiders win the Super Bowl with every game winning by just a field goal, I will come on this podcast and tell our viewers that I know nothing about football 
And I rely on your uh, guidance before the show to like, tell me what to say. Well, I don't really want that because a lot of what you say doesn't really make sense anyway. So I don't want, want that being put on me. But you did bring up a good fourth point, and I understand we should probably move on from this game. But in the kicking battle, the Raiders are dominating the Bengals, man. Daniel Carson is as automatic as they come. And the Bengals kicker is named Eddie McPherson, and I guarantee you most people have not heard of that guy. So fourth and very important feature for the Raiders winning this game. That said, I'm up on my soapbox. You heard it here first. Raiders, Super Bowl champion. Guys. I that's, a, that's a good point, though. Shout out Dan Carlson. I like to joke that those last few runs by Josh Jacobs didn't matter because no matter where he would have kicked that field goal from, it would have gone in knowing Dan Carlson, but also knowing the Chargers luck. So shout out Dan Carlson. Yeah, shout yeah. out Dan. We know you're listening. It is kind of crazy uh, that like the Chargers game ended with a field goal, seeing as the Chargers had some issues with field goals. Hey, Dun- <laughs> Dustin Hopkins was good this game, man. He Every was. extra point, I was like, Grinning my teeth. He, he's had he's had a good he he did have he did slip on that one kickoff, which was kind of unfortunate to see. I don't know if you guys caught that, but field goals have been pretty good. Well, did you see the last extra point though? Like literally like, the last one. It was a little I was scared like shitless. I mean, yeah. that one, like, I mean, yeah, it would damn. Dude, honestly, I was kind of hoping they went for two. Just just to, like completely. I knew that wasn't gonna happen, but it wouldn't have surprised me if that's what Brandon Staley went for, man. No, no, that, that's, right. how the, uh, that's how the uh, Ravens season would end, not the Chargers. Right. It kind of did. It, it ended in OT. We didn't even touch on that game because it's kind of a bad game, but that also helped the Steelers get in the playoffs. I was watching on a plane. I would have rather been watching anything else. All right. Nine is Cowboys. We touched on it, guys, but Rowie? I'm going to pick the Cowboys on this one. I kind of agree with Brad, Brad that this could, if I had to pick one away team to win uh, in the AFC or most likely to win, I think it would be the 49ers. But I think uh, that this game just goes to the Cowboys just because I think they have more of the right players. Um, and I, 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 I hard, it's hard for me to see them losing, going one and done in Jerry World in Dallas. So even though it's been definitely happened before, but I'll still pick the Cowboys mainly based on a gut feeling also based on the fact that I trust Dak Prescott a little more. I trust the Cowboys defense in terms of taking away the ball, which is something you have to do with Jimmy Garoppolo who likes to kind of sit back and manage the game, make conservative decisions, <clears throat> just throw the ball to Debo. But uh, when, once you take that away, I want to see if the Cowboys do that successfully, I'll pick the Cowboys for this game. Yeah, I am going to also pick the Cowboys. Uh, strong upset alert. I think the Niners could definitely win this. And I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be close, honestly. But ultimately, when I think about it, I just think that the Cowboys have the better roster and it would be so embarrassing for that team to lose to, to the Niners in the playoffs in Jerry World. But I will just say this. If the Cowboys lose, my bet, is that it's on or that it's because of uh, their coach. So Mike McCarthy, this I, I think, I think Mike is McCarthy real. is the worst coach in the playoffs right now. Yeah. I said that better than I worse than Rick Passaccia, Rick Passaccia. You know, I'm not saying that like, you know, this man is like a goat, but like he commands leadership. Like 
I don't, I don't, I just, I don't trust Mike McCarthy at all. Just like at all. Yeah, him and I, uh, him and Zach Taylor are having a powwow right now. No Zach Taylor disrespect, but I think he could be doing more with that Bengals team. Yeah, as much as I'm a fan of like bringing bringing spice, and I do, I do think that the Niners have a really good shot. As I touched on, I think they're really fun. I think they got a lot of playmakers, and I think they do have a a good defense. So their secondary is pretty suspect. Um, I think it comes down to one thing. Well, I guess I guess more than one thing, but one main thing. And that is a, a small man named Micah Parsons. Uh, I think that, as you said, Jimmy kind of likes to be comfortable. And if there's one guy, he won't win defensive player of the year. In fact, he might've even slowed down a little of these last few games. I'm not sure. Over the grand majority of the season, for every Cowboy game I watched, you could very easily spot him. And he was wreaking havoc all over the place. And obviously, Here's kind of where it goes either way. I think if Micah Parsons has a dominant game, I think the Cowboys win. But if Kyle Shanahan finds a way to kind of scheme him out of things with some of those confusing run packages, I think the Niners win. So I think Micah Parsons is the X factor. And when it boils down to it, I would pick him to have a good game. And so therefore, I would also pick the Cowboys. It is important to note that though he's not practicing, Trent Williams is planning on being back. So did, did the Cowboys and Niners play earlier in the year? I don't know that they did. But I don't think Trent so. Williams is largely claimed to be one of the better tackles in the NFL. Definitely, certainly one of the more veteran ones. So lining those two lining up should be a very interesting storyline. The Probably the most acclaimed defensive rookie versus one of the most acclaimed defense, uh, offensive veterans at their position. So just something to watch. Yeah, I, no, I think this is a really interesting match. I would also put my money on Trayvon Diggs at least having one interception. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is good for that. I think that, I don't know, it's really hard for me to say up this game. I think these teams match up really well. I think it's going to be a really interesting game. I'm super interested to see what the Niners do against this pretty solid Dallas defense led by a few standout playmakers. And I think that if the, the Cowboys kind of win the rushing battle led by Micah Parsons, I think that they're going to have a good game. Because I think Dallas, as Rowie said, they have a really good roster and like really one of the most talented in the league. So if they don't make a run, it'll be a damn shame. It'll probably be on their coach. Yeah. The, 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 the timing issues by Mike McCarthy, I'm just telling you guys, like he just is so bad at time clock management. Like it's comical. And if they're up by 17 in the fourth, it doesn't matter. If they're not, then they'll probably lose. We'll see. But I mean, hey. if you're up by, if you're up by 15 with, under five minutes, you'll still probably win off a field goal in overtime. So you'll be fine, right? Right. Probably, that's where most NFL games go. Is that how they all go? Yeah, that's how they all go, right, guys? Hey, you okay? You, you need a you need a oh, I'm, I'm totally fine. Yeah. You, you're good? All right. Yep. All right. Just make sure. I, I never did get around to buying that Raiders jersey. Mm. It's yeah. okay. I know I know you bought one in spirit. So hey, if the Raiders win the Super Bowl, I'm getting one, man. That, that's not <laughs> bad right now. That's was Raiders player of your choice. Mm. All right. Um, should we get into what game I am most simultaneously excited and nervous for? Cardinals Rams. I was gonna say Pat's Bills, but I'll go Cardinals Rams. <laughs> no, let's go Pat's Bills. Let's go Pat's. Uh, I think this is the second most exciting game on the playoff slate. Um, unfortunately, this is gonna be it for my beloved Patriots. Um. 
And the reason is just because, like, this team is, like, injured right now. Uh, I mean, like, if, if you look at, like, the injury reports, like, the Bills have, like, Cole Beasley, and he's just, like, resting, basically. And then the Pats have, like, 15 million people, like, injured. Like, no one's playing at 100%. Uh, Mac Jones has made some very, very rookie mistakes, which is frustrating, not because he's a rookie, but because, like, you would ex- you, you would want him to make these rookie mistakes earlier in the year and then sort of be getting better as the year goes on. But it sort of felt like he has gotten worse over, like, the last four weeks. I mean, it's like if you take out the Jags game, because, like, how often are you going to play like a, a college team like the Jags? Hey, hey the, um, the, the Jags will have the coolest playoff chances, dog. No disrespect. More about the uh, it says more about the uh, the Colts than does about the Jags. But either way, my point is, um, key to this game is going to be defense. We saw a defense from the Patriots from weeks like five through like thirteen or so, where the defense was stout. It's what won the Patriots the game versus the Bills in Orchard Park the first time. Uh, we were all there. Uh, I mean, Mac Jones really had no <laughs> no hand in that win. But, yeah, uh, if the Patriots defense comes to play and they can sort of make the Bills uh, one-dimensional, like take away any run game they have, keep Josh Allen uh, in the pocket, I think the Patriots could run away with it. But – I don't think that's going to happen. I think Mac Jones is not going to – I think he's going to make one mistake, maybe two, and that's just going to be the dagger that kills my heart. So, so Rowie, is this the end for your beloved Patriots? Let us know. Yeah, I was really struggling to answer this question. So the first place I looked was the weather forecast, and the winds are under 70 miles an hour, so the Bills will win this game in my opinion. Um, I think that the Bills just have this – they're peaking at the right time, it seems like. I think they just have the better roster. I think this team's probably – I think they, they expect themselves probably to do better, whereas I think for the Patriots, I think they if, if the season ended for them on Sunday, which I guess at least for at this point a majority of us think it will, I think for them it could already be seen as a successful season, first year with a lot of free agents and a rookie quarterback. Whereas for the Bills, if the Bills lose this next game, I don't think it's a successful season at all. I think it's a step backwards and kind of a stagnation for them, having not really broke through in the playoffs any of the past three seasons. So I think that the Bills, I think they they realize that their fate needs to be to win this game in order to keep their momentum going. And I, I won't really talk about all the individual matchups because I think we saw that in Gillette a few weeks ago, but I think that I'm going to trust Josh Allen in this game. Hey, hey you, you said the first place you looked was the weather, but it's supposed to be under 10 degrees. You know, it's hard to do uh, in the cold catch. So who knows? Maybe, maybe the passing games are going to be nullified again and uh, the pass can run all over this Bills team. Um, jokes aside though, um, I think this is also a pretty close game, actually. I think five out of six of the wildcard matchups are going to come out to be really good games. Sorry, uh, Steelers, but I don't think you're keeping it close. I think that we saw in the last match that the Mac Jones made a few mistakes and the pass were down early, but we forget that they really almost did come back. If it wasn't a lot, some last-second heroics from Josh Allen, they, they might have gotten the ball back and might have driven and scored. It wasn't that close, but they had a shot. So the second round they played wasn't a blowout. 
Um, and neither was the first round. So I do think that it's going to be a pretty close game. Uh, I think that recently in like the last few weeks, it's the first time where Rowie's Bills Super Bowl pick hasn't come off as foolish to me. Um, so props to Rowie for kind of see, seeing the future like a month in advance. But I agree. I think the Bills are pe- peaking at the right time, whereas the Pats are kind of struggling. And we saw that in the loss to Miami. They wanted to win. They wanted the momentum. They didn't get it. Brian Flores, as his mic dropped, said, I'm sorry, Pats, on the way out. Um, I think, yeah, in the battle of the quarterbacks, Josh Allen clearly wins. Uh, I think the Pats run game will be a factor once again. But as we saw last time out, the Bills did a much better job of shutting it down. And I think the Pats have a pretty solid shot of like making this a good game. I would honestly put the odds at like 40-60 that they win. I think it's as close as that. But I have to pick the Bills because I side with momentum. And I, at the end of the day, I kind of side with quarterback talent. So I do think the Bills win. Yeah, I mean, I just want to add one thing, which is that um, – the 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 bills to, to sort of like to respond to Rowie. I think it's a disappointment for the Bills unless they get back to the AFC Championship game. You could make the argument that you know they need to actually get to the Super Bowl because like that would be like an improvement on last season. But even if the Bills lose in the divisional round, I mean that's a step back. I mean the fact that the Bills almost lost the division to the Patriots with a rookie quarterback is somewhat alarming um and you know we'll discuss uh in later pods whether this season was an underachievement overachievement or uh met expectations for the pats i have a bit of a strong opinion on that one but uh i say we get into uh the, the the you know the final game here potentially in my opinion the most exciting of the playoff slates rams cardinals Who's going to come out on top? Give me your pick, Max. Dude, I'm going to start out here, and I'm going to say that I have no idea. Like, I'll make a pick, but this game just really confuses me, in all honesty. Because neither of these teams – yeah, okay, like, we, like we've, we've said that most teams have, like, dropped games here and there. But in terms of, like, individual stretches of play – these teams have been some of the most up and down in terms of like series of multiple games. Like the Cowboys, they started off in incredibly hot and then they lost the se- They ended the season at four and five. The Rams, they started out hot at a three game lose streak, lo- losing streak. And then they've been winning games to close the season, but they've been squeaking them out. Matt Stafford has not looked good. Like he'll put together a half of where he doesn't miss a pass and then throw two or three picks in the second half or flip that in the first half whatever like I think that one of these teams is more talented and I think that's the way I'll go I think I will end up picking the Rams uh because I think they're the more talented team as much as they're struggling within games they're still pulling out wins besides this Niners game whereas the Cardinals just aren't winning like they their last good win and only good win in the second half of the season was against the Cowboys I think it, the, the uh, Cardinals actually play better on the road and LA is hosting this game for like, for some weird reason as a phenomenon. So I think the Cardinals do have a solid shot. Like they're super exciting. And if they put it together, they could come out on top. But I think a key factor is I don't think D hops coming back healthy. I don't think he's coming back for this game and his absence has kind of coincided with their struggles. So as much as I think Kyler can bail his team out, 
I think the Rams can win despite of their quarterback. And I don't think that's something the Cardinals can say. So I, I'll say that's my deciding fact, and I'll say I'm picking Rams. Rowie? Um, look, all season long, off and on, on and off air, I've kind of questioned Kyler Murray. I'm still not fully bought in on whether – Rowie just really fan. hates short people, man. Yeah, I, I just – if your quarterback's not 6'6", 240, then what are we really talking about, right? If your quarterback's not Justin Herbert, he doesn't like you. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, Kyler Murray's not a guy that I really still – that still fully has my trust. Um, I think he's a great quarterback. He can do a lot with his legs. He's great for the NFL in terms of the highlight reels he produces. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know that he'll really be the clutch guy to win those big moments. Um, even though he has in the past, I just don't know if he can do it consistently, mainly because he does tend to make air interceptions, kind of falls into that category of QBs that extend the play potentially even too long to a fault, like a Dak, Dak Prescott or even Russ this past year has done a little bit of that too, uh, just because they're too mobile, too good at stepping up in the pocket and everything that they hold on to the ball just too long. Um, to get back to the point, though, all the Cardinals had to do this past week was beat Seattle to get the for, for this game to be flipped even just for the Cardinals to host. And if you're not beating Seattle in those crucial games, I don't know that you're beating the Rams on the road an even more important game. Now I would like to point out that I heard one of the commentators in the Arizona Seattle game, talk about how the Cardinals are playing better on the road in general this season. I don't know the exact numbers to confirm that. So they're I don't eight and one, that. I think, on the road. I think they've only lost one. Yeah, so I think uh, that you know they they actually beat the Rams in SoFi. I think this past year. So you know, I think that I'm not going to discount them just because they're LA, just because they're playing in LA. However, I think I'm going to discount them because they haven't shown me that in deep late in the season, in the biggest games, to to earn something for playoff positioning, they haven't shown enough. So I'm going to pick the the Rams. Yeah, uh, good in, good insight from both of you. Um, I think I'm going to also have the Rams. For me, these two teams are very, uh, like, very close. Like, I could see it going either way. Uh, I think that both teams possess the roster to win. Uh, both teams deserve a win in the sense that both – like, I feel like neither team deserves to have their season end here, but obviously one does. So, in the, in the situation where I think they're both – that good I have to look at coaching and uh, like uh, Sean McVay has um, has experience coaching in the playoffs whereas Cliff Kingsbury just doesn't Um, and for me that's just sort of like the deciding the deciding factor here that sort of like pushes the needle towards the Rams and of course I also just want to say We've seen days where both teams have been unstoppable and both teams are like anybody could beat them. I mean, like there have been some games where the Cardinals didn't show up or the Rams didn't show up. So obviously you never know. Uh, like they're, neither team, I would say, is super, super consistent. So like obviously you'd never know uh, if something like that happens because it's going to be a blowout. But, you know, I really think that it's close and that coaching just moves the needle for me. I want to say one thing quickly, which jumps into kind of my last point that I want to get your thoughts on. But the Rams today signed Eric Whale out of retirement, who hasn't played in two years. So, which is weird, right? Like, I, I, I get it. You, it you should be down. illegal. 
Yeah, it should be. It illegal. should be illegal. Like, okay, that's like the most bull crap thing I've ever heard. Like, you don't just get to come back because like your team is in the playoffs. Like, that's like hiring like a group project, and then you being like the leader for like the presentation in class when you didn't do anything to like actually help make like the slides. Like, I think this is but like. What, but what grade are you going to get on that group project? Like to that point, this guy hasn't played at all, so how's he going to perform? Like if, if you're that leader in the group project, are you getting a good grade? In fact, I think that's setting yourself up for failure. My take on this whole situation, I know I kind of cut you off there, Brad, so I'll get back to you shortly after this, but just to give a quick take, this guy was a seven year charger, nine year charger, something like that. So I guess at least when I was an up and coming fan back in Southern California, Eric Weddle, number 32, the beard was a guy that I watched a lot. And I kind of became familiar with this play, at least in the earlier part of his career. And even then before the injuries, when he was in his prime, so to speak, before his stints with the uh, Ravens and the Rams, which lots of, pe- lots of people remember just because of recency bias. Um, I think that even in his prime, he wasn't a very athletic guy. Like he wasn't the type of guy who's going to fly around. He was a guy who was like a smart guy. Uh, in terms of he was a safety, he would just rely on smarts and instinct and just be at the right place at the right time. He might not bring down Derrick Henry, but at least he'll have an intuition as to where he know where he is. He'll be that first slowing down hit so that your bigger goons can come over and make the tackle. With that being said, um, I think that now that he's 37, just turned 37, I think just over a week ago, um, I'm curious to see what athletic shape he's going to be in at all. I mean, like if this guy wasn't really a guy who could fly around then, I'm very curious to see how he's going to keep up with, you know, the players he's going to have to keep up with like Debo and stuff like that. Um, Or yeah. Yeah. Heading into, I mean that they played Debo last week, but I guess this week the Cardinals also have a lot of speedy wide receivers. So I'll just be interested to see the matchups if they're going to actually match him up man on man or if they'll just kind of drop him back to kind of like oversee everything and line people up. But what are my, money, my money, Eric Weddle comes back really fat and plays offensive line, but, uh, but that's just me. Brad, Brad, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, my reaction was just to the precedent because like Eric Weddle, like, you know, I'm agreeing with you, Roy. Like, I don't think he's necessarily going to be a game changer in this game, but there are players who like, if they did come back, like, because they're, they're only, like, one year removed and, like, they're still in pretty good shape, they could be a difference maker. Like, I just – I don't know. I, I just don't like the precedence of it because, like, if you're, like – I'm just using this as an example. He's obviously playing. But, like, if you're Rob Gronkowski, right, and, like, just, like, the hits of normal NFL season is just, like, a lot for your body, right? But then you can just come back and, like, keep in shape in, like, the season and, like, come back in for, like, the playoffs and be, like, clutch Gronk, like – that's just I don't know. I, I just have strong feelings about like the fact that this is even like possible. Yeah, I didn't know it was possible. I fully thought you had to play at least one game for uh in the NFL regular season to be eligible. Like but... why don't you come back for like the Super Bowl game? Like, right, right? I, I, like I, full disclosure, if the Chiefs make the Super Bowl, they are signing A B the week before the Super Bowl and playing him hot take. I would be like that support. You know, we are actually trying to get AB to come on to the BRZ podcast. If any of y'all know Antonio Brown, tell him that we are big fans both on the field and in the studio. Um, so just putting that out there. Exactly. Exactly. So far has not seen our DM, but I'm holding out hope that he has a lot to respond to. Guys. I, we've been in here for a while, but I want to get your thought on one more thing 
before we kind of head out. And this was where I was kind of leading with that Eric Weddle point. Like, I don't think a single team has been more all in than the Rams this year, right? And they've even kind of said that when they traded for OBJ, they made a post on Twitter that, that was I'm like pushing the chips to the middle of the table and saying all in. And we've all picked them to beat the 49ers, but or sorry, to, to beat the the Jesus Christ Cardinals. Um, but they're none of our Super Bowl picks, right? So they're all in, quote unquote, but they don't necessarily have the best roster. They're not necessarily the strongest team. They got a new quarterback. Matt Stafford's looked great at times, bad at others. What do you think is a disappointment for this Rams team? Is it no Super Bowl? Has the season already kind of been a disappointment? What are your thoughts? It's Super Bowl or bust. I mean, this team doesn't have a first round pick until like 2040, for God's sake. Like, they've got to win a Super Bowl title with this team, if not this year and the next like three, maybe four. I mean, I just, I mean, when you think of all in, right, it's not like, oh, I'm going to give like 90% of my chips, but then just keep 10. No, you're, you're all in. In the NFL, all in means Super Bowl. You don't make the moves that you made to get to the AFC championship game. Like, you just don't. Like, I'm just being blunt. I think it'd be yeah, think, actually more impressive if they get to the AFC championship game. because uh, Excuse the me, NFC championship game. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I think, you know, a player like Von Miller, who's played with the Broncos his entire career, and honestly, legacy-wise, could be argued it would have been, you know, better, cleaner for his legacy to just stay with that one team and be that, you know, like, like poster, you know, like Broncos perennial player that, you know, stuck his whole entire career. So for a player like Von Miller to leave that type of organization and move to the Rams – He's not doing that to play in the NFC championship. He's not doing that to participate in the Super Bowl. He's doing that to win the Super Bowl, to win the ring. Otherwise, you know, what's even the point of, you know, getting a head start on the offseason or just participating in the playoffs and adding a couple bumps, bruises, and unfortunate highlights to your resume? Um, that can be said for lots of other players who kind of joined this team late. So to me, if the Rams once again this season fall short, I think at this point, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, maybe some other guys might turn to each other and say, hey, like, we're, it seems like we're going all in every year. We haven't had a first round pick in forever. Is it even worth ditching our, our old squads to come to this team? Is this process working? Do we need some first round picks, some younger blood in the locker room? I think that's the biggest question for the Rams if they don't make it and win the Super Bowl this offseason is at what point? do your players start questioning that process and questioning how Les Sneed runs his show there? So I think I agree with you that it's really Super Bowl or bust for the Rams. If the Rams were really all in, though, they would sign AB, just say. Which they still might in the playoffs. We'll see. Um, AB and Odell on the same team would be a trip, by the way. That would be a hard knocks episode I'd be down to see. But I will say, I do think this season for the Rams has been a disappointment just because looking at their roster player for player, I think it's one of the strongest rosters in the NFC. And when they traded for Matt Stafford, um, I my instant knee-jerk reaction was, oh, this team is the NFC favorite for the Super Bowl. It hasn't quite played out that way. Um, but I will say I want to give them one more year because Robert Woods was a really big part of this offense who got injured in the middle of the year. And that kind of coincided with their losing streak. And they are still missing that kind of safety blanket. I know Cooper cup has been amazing. Uh, and OBJ has been pretty good picking up some touchdowns here and there, but,
but I think they are kind of missing that safety blanket that Stafford can look to when they, when the play is kind of falling apart and when when Cup is getting double teamed. And I think that I mean Matt Stafford. This is his first season out of Detroit, right? Not his first time adjusting to a new system, obviously, but a, a new place, a new climate, new fans. Um, and he has always been kind of new that quarterback. Yeah, exactly. New expectations. He's he's the guy to lead them on a playoff run. I think this is first time dealing with that. And I want to give them one more year. I think next year it's Super Bowl or bust. I think this year it's kind of a disappointment if they don't win at least one or two games in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, this has been a jam-packed pod right here. But all good stuff. We really appreciate you all listening. Uh, And we can't wait to see you on episode 11 of the Big Red Zone podcast. Rowie, leave leave the fans with something. Give them a closing statement before I finish off the show. Oh, man. Um, I don't know if I'm the right guy to do this, but hey, to all you fellow football fans who are on the, what's 32 minus 14, 18 teams who didn't make the playoffs, you know, hang in there, look at your mock drafts, look at those prospects, because, you know, at the end of the day, within a month, all the other teams are going to be joining us as well. So it's been a great regular season. Looking forward to what the pro season brings. And um, shout out to all the players we gave a shout out to. Yes, sir. It's it's going to be a hell of a super wild card weekend. Um, well, we'll see. I'm just looking forward to, to getting back in person with you, with you boys. I don't think next week's episode will be in person, but I think two weeks from now, We'll be back in the same room. We'll be bringing you guys some some behind-the-scenes content and look for some more, even more tomfoolery over the course of these pods than, than can be done uh, virtual as we are right now. But, yeah, if you guys made it to the end of the show, let us know, and uh, we'll, we'll see you guys next week. BRZ Pod out. Peace.